Welcome to Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Guy Cipriano. We're continuing our Tartan Talk series with Paul Albanese, and Paul has a fascinating and uplifting story to tell about some of his recent work with Native American communities and what it's been like designing golf courses on tribal land. Before we get going with Paul, we'd like to thank our friends at Better Billy Bunker for supporting this podcast. Better Billy Bunker is not only a great supporter of the American Society of Golf, of course, architects, Better Billy Bunker supports numerous industry efforts and initiatives, including the work of golf course superintendents. So again, thanks to the team there for supporting us. Paul, thanks for joining us. How are things going for you and your business right now, and what are some projects you're focused on? Yeah, Guy, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, right now, business is going pretty well. We're, we can't complain. Got some projects going on in uh, all parts of the, the world, really. We're working on our second golf course at uh, the Island Resort and Casino in Wilson, Michigan, which is with the Potawatomi tribe, the Hannibal Potawatomis. We're working out on the East Coast on a remodeling project in a Donald Ross course out there. We're working in Vietnam, actually, on 36 golf holes out there, which is on a spectacular site about an hour and a half outside of Hanoi. So those are the three main projects we're working on this year, and, and uh, we've really been uh, very lucky to keep, keep things going. You're getting ready to open Sage Run in Michigan this summer. What are the emotions like as a golf course architect to open a course in 2017 when there aren't that many new courses opening? Yeah, no, it's, we feel fortunate that uh, we're able to actually build new golf courses in the United States. You don't see a lot of them every year like you used to, and uh, we've been fortunate that we've had the opportunity to do so. Uh, we just opened one a couple years ago in Nebraska, and we're excited about opening Sage Run uh, for the Potawatomi tribe, the Hannibal Potawatomis. Uh, again, I've mentioned to a few people in the industry and, and my colleagues that I would, the, the biggest compliment about this project at Sage Run is the fact that it's our second golf course for these clients. To me, that's one of the biggest compliments we can receive from anybody in the industry is to be hired again to do a project. So we're happy to be in the second one. Uh, it's like getting ready to watch your child get uh, born in many ways. We, uh, we put a lot of time and effort into this. We think it's come out great, and uh, we're excited about it. So are they. How did you get involved in doing work with Native Americans and working on tribal land, that's pretty interesting, and it's something that we're seeing a bit more of here in the golf business. Yeah, Native American tribes, are you're definitely seeing a lot more development with them, and, and my experience with Native American design, if you will, goes all the way back to uh, the early 90s when I was in graduate school. Um, one of our projects there was the design of a powwow ground when I was uh, my third year in graduate school, and during that process, I got my first flavor for working with Native American tribes. We actually worked with a Native American tribe on the East Coast. And myself and a couple of my colleagues in, in graduate school worked on the design of a powwow ground. And during that time, I understood Native American culture and history, and we understood how, how much pride the Native Americans take in, in their assets, their designed assets. And we spent a lot of time trying to ensure that we designed the powwow ground in a way that, that reflected their tribal heritage and culture and fit with what they were trying to do. And at the time, I remember thinking to myself how great it would be that, uh, to someday, because I was, I was focusing on becoming a golf course architect at that time, to someday possibly design a golf course for a Native American tribe and how I would like to infuse the same design ideas and concepts into a golf course design. And fortunately, within about 10 years from graduating uh, from graduate school, I was able to design a golf course for a Native American tribe, the Potawatomis in, in northern Michigan. Uh, it was a great experience. I, I was able to incorporate many of the 
ideas and concepts behind what we did in graduate school at Harvard with the Native American tribe that we were working with. So I, I was really fortunate to have that happen, and I'm, I'm very proud of it. How does designing a golf course compare to designing a powwow grounds? Is there anything from a powwow grounds that you can use in a golf course? The main similarity between designing the golf course and designing the powwow ground was the process. The process can't be short-sided. It can't take any shortcuts. We, we went through the process of understanding what the client's goals and aspirations were, what they valued, the principles, the, the heritage, the history, how all of that can become infused into a built work, whether it's a powwow ground or a golf course, is, is the whole key to a successful designed project. So the process is what I would say I brought from the design of the powwow ground to the design of the golf course, and that's, that's why I think it became successful. How does somebody in a position like yours make a connection with a Native American community? How does that all come about? You've also worked with uh, a Native American community in Nebraska, too, as well as the one in Michigan. As I said, when I was in graduate school, I'd, I had worked on that powwow ground. And when I got out of, out of graduate school in Harvard, I decided I was going to try to talk to some Native American tribes about the value of golf courses and how they could benefit their community how it was possible for us to design them in ways that reflected their community and their heritage. And so I went about talking to some, and at the time there weren't that many out there who were, who were interested in that kind of thing. I did get lucky, and the, the Hanneville Potawatomi tribe, after I had done some work in the UP of Michigan, they called me and asked me to, uh, to talk to them about designing a golf course. And I remember going in there at the beginning, and, and I think they even ended up hiring our firm based on what we had told them during, during our interview process, which was we, our goal was to come in and not just design a golf course that golfers would enjoy, but we wanted to design a golf course and a landscape that the entire Native American community could embrace and be proud of, golfer and non-golfer. So I think they, they bought into that idea. And we delivered on that idea. We designed the golf course, uh, Sweetgrass Golf Course for the Island Resort. Uh, if you play the golf course, you come away understanding a little bit more about the Potawatomi culture and heritage because we took the stories and legends from that culture and infused it into the design in a very subtle and, and interesting way. We didn't do it in a Disney-like way. We didn't stamp things on the ground that were very literal but we used that as a way to, as an impetus behind the design process. So we're real proud of the fact that it's more than just a golf course. How does working for a Native American client compare to working for a traditional client? Well, there's, there's a couple differences. One, the Native American community, when you design for the Native Americans, I, I have found in the works we've been doing, you're designing for an entire community. Uh, when you're often designing for a, a typical developer, you're designing for the developer, if it's a single owner or if there's a group of, of investors, it might be a handful. But when designing with, uh, for Native American tribes, we're really trying to, to create a golf course landscape and a golf course experience that the entire tribe will be proud of and that is representative of their community and their culture. And the second part of that is we... When designing for a Native American community, we often do the construction management as well. We take it beyond just the paperwork, and we get into the field and, and design and manage the process of getting it built. 
And through that process, we're able to incorporate the Native American resources, specifically the human resources, into the project. We make a, a specific point to telling the Native American clients we work with that we will build this golf course utilizing as many Native Americans as we can from their reservation or their tribe to help us build it. And we have found that has been extremely successful, not only in just creating the product, but in creating an attitude and a feeling about the project that allows the the whole Native American community to, to embrace the project and feel proud of it because they helped build it. So that's the main difference. How much do these tribes know about golf when you get on the property and start working? And what is it like educating them about, about golf and the long-term use of the, the land? No, I have to do a lot of, uh, of a lot of education when it comes to the Native American tribes. They, they often know golf design very superficially. They don't know a lot about the in-depth history of it. They don't understand often how we design golf courses to embrace their culture. They think really that it's, they see maybe a few golf courses on television and a handful of them play local golf, which often doesn't uh, have the same quality as, as some of the higher end and more involved golf products. So we spend a lot of time educating our clients on the golf course product. Uh, we spend a lot of time showing them via numbers that the golf course itself will help them economically as a whole, that it's not just a golf course that's unto itself, but golfers are gamers, and often these tribes are the main impetus behind doing a golf course is often because they have a casino or, or a hotel already in, on their site. So we will show them how a golf course is going to Im- enhance the economic bottom line of their casinos and their hotels. So, And, and I'm an educator by just by nature. I like to teach people. So we spend a lot of time showing them how you go from a blank piece of land that's a gorgeous piece of land and, and sensitively integrate that land into a golf course product. And that's a, that's a whole education process in itself that we, that we look forward to doing with our tribal clients because they, they really embrace environmental sustainability, and that's something that goes hand-in-glove with how we feel a golf course should be, should be designed and built as well. What are some things you've done with the land at Sweetgrass and Tatanka that you really have enjoyed doing and have been fulfilling and really uh, demonstrate the environmental profile of both those golf courses? Environmental sustainability, that's definitely not just a buzzword for our firm. We really try to live it out in how we design a project. And as I just mentioned, it's, it's easier to do this when, you, when you're working with the Native American tribes because that's typically one of the first things they want designed within their golf course if they want or know anything about golf course design. They're, they're always interested in how a golf course can be uh, fit with the environment because the Native American principles and their culture often cherishes the environment. So it's, it's nice to have to go into a client and not have to preach about being environmentally sustainable, but to have someone who's already on board with that concept. So once that's, that milestone is reached where we're all on the same page as to the, the goal, then we show them the mechanisms and the strategies we can use from a design standpoint that will enable the golf course to truly be integrated with the environment and sustainable. And a lot of people can say they're sustainable. It's, it's a buzzword in many parts of many industries to be sustainable. But to truly understand what that means, it takes a lot of investigation, a lot of analysis of the site, 
It takes a design process full and complete. You can't sidestep any parts of the process to ensure a golf course is sustainable. And the manifestation of sustainable golf course design is one where a golfer will leave the golf course property and feel like that golf course has been there for a long time and it's going to continue to be there for a long time, that there's very little man-made feel to the golf course, that it feels very, to, over, to use an overused term, feels very natural, but it feels like it's part of the environment versus imported into the environment. And I think we have done that very successfully both at the Tatanka Club in Nebraska, Sweetgrass up in northern Michigan, and the current projects that we're working on as well. What considerations do you have to make for wildlife when designing a golf course for a Native American tribe, and have you been able to incorporate any wildlife areas in Michigan and in the Nebraska projects? Yeah, we, uh, we make a point of trying to keep the local flora and the fauna and the animals and the, you know, all the environment to be indigenous to the area. So we, we, go, we make a point of understanding what animals, what plants, what insects are on the site, and the real key is to just utilize local natural products. The less you can import, the less you need to have brought in to the project, the more likely you are to keep around the existing animals and vegetation that's already there. And, for example, we've been able there's a, a, a couple wild, uh, there's some hawks on the sites in Nebraska. I think we've even seen some you know, eagles in Nebraska. We've, able to, we've been able to continue to see those, uh, those birds flying around the site as well as some animals because we were able to keep their environment intact. So keeping them intact is key. Keeping the environment intact is key to keeping the animals staying on, on the site. What are some design elements and concepts that work on a Native American property that may not work when you're working with a traditional client? I'm not sure that they don't work necessarily, but one of the pro- it is an, an easier task to convince the Native American tribes to design the golf course so that it's more than just a golf course, that, you, that we design a golf landscape that will embrace their tribal heritage and their culture, uh, both in, at the Tatanka Club in Nebraska and at the Sweetgrass Golf Club in, in Wilson, Michigan for the Potawatomis. We made a specific uh, study of their, their heritage, their culture. We've read the books on them. There's quite a few good books about their histories and cultures. And after we read those books, we went about the design process in a in two-pronged method, really a three-pronged method. The first was how do we design a great golf hole so that it would please a golfer. The second was how do we create environmentally sensitive golf holes, the same golf hole, so that it has a great golf strategy and great environmental strategy. And then the third piece, this is the one that typical developers, it may be a little harder to to sell on this idea, is we wanted to create each golf hole that had a story behind it that was reflective of the culture and heritage of that Native American uh, tribe. So after studying the stories and and the legends, we would take the story and we would contemplate it, and we would look at it on sketches and diagrams and figure out how we could incorporate that story into the actual design of the golf hole without it being literal and obvious. The biggest mistake we could make would be to have the story come out to, to what we would call Disney-like. If, For example, if a tribe had a special 
relationship with a turtle as maybe their, their tribal animal. The, the last thing we would want to do is just stamp a turtle on, on a bunker shape. We might start out with the concept of a turtle and start to figure out what that might mean, what that looks like. And we often compare it to how the Native Americans themselves would tell stories to their children or sit around campfires and use their imagination when they were looking at cloud formations to create stories on things that were relatively abstract. So golfers who go and play these courses that have the stories behind them, they, they may finish a couple golf holes and not see specifically why that story matches the golf hole. But after they were able to read the story and understand the design process, they would understand why certain forms on the golf hole are the way they are is because they were inspired by that story and not necessarily literally transformed onto the site. So that's how that process is a little easier to, to do with Native American tribes than trying to do it with a typical, say, housing developer. How affordable is it to build a golf course like this, and how affordable is it to, to play a golf course that uses some of these concepts? Yeah, that's um, a good good question and definitely a point that's worth raising in today's golf world and one that I think one of the key reasons we've been successful in the past 10 years is because of the way we go about building the golf course in an affordable manner and if you can build the course in an affordable manner that translates into golfers being able to play the golf course in an affordable manner so today's golf world it's, it's imperative for the golf course to be built within a reasonable time frame a reasonable budget so that the owners can turn around and charge appropriately. If things cost too much, like they did in the, the 90s and the 80s, then the developer has to recoup that cost, and the cost of golf, golf in general gets too high and out of hand. So we've been real fortunate, and we think it's the way we design the courses enables us to build them affordably and cost-effectively, which allows the golfers who play our courses to play them for cost-effective manners, and we think that's the key to the, to the future of the golf industry is to continue building them in this manner that allows golfers to play the golf course affordably. You have a lot of uh, gamers from all over the place playing these golf courses. Do you take gaming considerations in mind when you design it? Do you design holes thinking that maybe people are going to be placing wagers on them at, at these resorts? <laughs> well, golfers, as I said, golfers are gamers without question, and they're cut from the same cloth. And that is why I think there has been a, a relatively good success rate with golf courses associated with casinos, specifically Native American casinos. So to say that we design it specifically for gamers, I think when we design golf courses, we know that there's golfers out there who, who are competitive. And so therefore the golf course itself, I said, first and foremost, always needs to be a strategically designed golf course that's going to allow people to have a, a fair and challenging match against one another on the golf course. Now, that said, there's also a, an additional component to the casino uh, clientele. We do understand that many of these clientele at casinos may never have been introduced to golf before, may not even know what golf is, know that the casino is building a golf course, and, and frankly, the, quite a few casino patrons are, are older and have not experienced golf, but we want them to. So we design golf courses that would allow everyone in that casino, from the oldest and highest handicap to the youngest and the lowest handicap, to be able to go play the golf course and experience it and have fun. No one at the casino or the resort should feel that the golf course is not for them. 
So we do design with that in mind. Our goal, like most of the golf industries at this point, is to grow the game. And there's a great opportunity at these casinos and resorts to grow the game. And to do that, we have to make sure the golf course is playable and playable for everyone. So that, yes, we do, in, in the short answer. Yeah, and that kind of leads into my next question. How have the golf courses benefited the communities that you work with? And it sounds like you, you see this as a potential growth market for golf, too. Yeah, I, I think this is the market that that's very beneficial because uh, people want to go and, and you know spend a weekend at a resort and casinos don't seem to be going you know they seem to continue gaining popularity so if people are at these casinos the thing that a golf course allows and i think many of our clients will attest to this and is the reason they're, they're continuing to try to build golf courses in conjunction with their casinos is a golf course gives people an opportunity to spend more time at the resort overall because the typical gamer may come up for a day trip and spend the majority of his time gaming and then leave. But if there's a golf course there, there's now an opportunity to get out fresh air and, as you just alluded to, possibly even do some gaming on the course against some of your buddies and things like that and, and enjoy that experience and allow them to then do more gaming later or earlier, stay over an evening, and then maybe do the whole same thing the next day. So, And that will also fill up their hotel rooms. So that's why it's been a successful growth market for this specific product. Um, and golf in general, you know, we're, we're trying to, to keep these communities growing in golf. As I said, there's quite a few people in the casinos already. We see them as, as ample opportunities to introduce people to the game and keep the game growing. A lot of our listeners and followers are golf course superintendents. What type of maintenance considerations are made when designing a, a golf course for a Native American community? And what is the day-to-day -day maintenance like of Tatanka and Sweetgrass? Well, as I said earlier, be, being that we designed both of those courses and, and the ones we have on the boards now in a sustainable and environmentally sensitive way, the maintenance regimes of these courses are, are less intense than maybe a typical golf course. And that goes a long way, again, toward the goal of being sustainable. But it also helps the owner when they see the, the, their, uh, their pocketbooks at the end of the day and they realize they're not spending as much money on maintenance as they might because the golf course was built sustainably. So we utilize a lot of native, uh, native grasses on the project, a lot of uh, because there's, we shape the course in a way that allows the, the superintendent to, to maintain it in a, in a reasonable fashion. And one of the things that superintendents on these projects have to do, just as we did during the construction of these projects, is they will employ many Native Americans on the maintenance end of this as well. They don't import specific maintenance people. They train Native American communities to maintain golf. And the ones that I've been working with have been very attuned to the environmental aspect of this, minimizing chemicals and fertilizers on the golf course, try to utilize biological agents when possible. So really trying to, to keep in line with the design concept of sustainability in the maintenance regime as well. What would you like to do next, Paul? You've worked with some amazing pieces of land in some different areas. What, what do you think is next for you and your firm? Well, our goal is to continue to, to hopefully continue to be as lucky as we have been getting some really wonderful pieces of property to, to work with. Our goal is to continue to work with Native American tribes on their golf courses because we've had such good success with our current clients and our past clients. We think we understand how the, the politics and the, the 
the cultures of Native Americans work so that we can allow them to build the golf course themselves with our help and keep that uh, the biggest one of the biggest rewards we've had in these projects is in addition to the you know the getting the number one's best new from golf and golf magazine has been getting the accolades from the tribal communities themselves from our clients who have all said that they've gotten the community to embrace their project and everyone's happy and proud about what we built for them so that that satisfaction is really something that's hard to put a price on and and our hope is to continue doing that with other clients last thing here paul what is the most fascinating thing you've learned about native american culture through doing these projects or, or actually seen on the sites well i've learned from the native american working with the native americans how how much pride they do have in their land specifically and you know everyone understands the, the history from our country about what happened to the Native Americans 150, 100 years ago. And what I've come to understand is how they, they are wounded because of the things that happened, and yet they are very prideful still and still very uh, working very hard to reclaim much of their land, which which good for them. They have, and they have quite a bit of land now throughout the country, and they take tremendous pride in their land. They really value land very much and it's something that it's a beautiful thing to see and that in addition to their land they value wildlife they value their the livestock in fact one of the things that we did at tatanka club which was probably one of the most unique things we've ever done on a golf course design the santee sioux tribe they uh they're known for their buffalo and in fact we've designed a few holes out there that had the buffalo as part of the inspiration behind the design well they actually had live buffalo head right next to the golf course, and they were getting ready to move them away because the golf course was going to be built on this particular parcel. Well, we said to them, hey, why don't we try to integrate the buffalo into the golf course design? Now, our original thought, not knowing buffalo, was that we wouldn't need fences and they would roam just like the, the, the cows and the sheep did in Scotland. We thought, we thought they were pretty similar to cows and sheep. Well, we come to find out pretty quick from the Native Americans that, no, these buffalo are, are not that kind to people, so... We did still need to keep fences around the buffalo paddocks, but we actually have buffalo areas going in and out of the entire golf course at Tatanka. So you can conceivably be hitting a drive on one of the holes and have a buffalo be 20 feet away from you. And there's another hole where the buff where we've taken the buffalo fence down into a valley so that you on your drive are hitting over the buffalo themselves. So it's quite amazing to have that kind of integration of, of the livestock and the, the buffalo that means so much to the tribe integrated into the golf course design. So to me, that was a real, real interesting uh, juxtaposition between those two things. Paul, I think you just gave everybody an amazing visual. Thanks a lot for joining us and for telling this awesome story. Congrats on your success and good luck with the opening of uh, Sage Run. And we look forward to catching up with you again soon. Hey, thanks, Guy. I appreciate it. Anytime.